We are starting the season of teacher evaluations. There are many questions from the teacher and administrator perspectives. In this episode, we are going to be answering many questions on this topic, such as, have you ever had a terrible evaluation and wish you could have a redo? Or began your first administrative job to find you're extremely nervous to evaluate a teacher? What do you do if you observe a teacher that needs to grow in multiple areas? Evaluations for educators can be a tough part of the job, and this week's guests, Michael Earnshaw and Josh Buckley, discuss the important areas of performing an evaluation from both the administrator and the teacher perspective. In this episode, we also discuss how much time is needed to observe a teacher, the important aspects of providing feedback, encouraging risk-taking in the classroom, and what it means to have a punk rock classroom. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Michael and Joshua, thank you so much for joining me today. Glad to be here, Josh. So, gentlemen, before we begin on the amazing topic that we all love, because we're in the midst of it right now, teacher evaluations, <laughs> I would love to hear about your educational and leadership background. So, Michael, go ahead and start us off, and then, Joshua, I'd love you to share right after. So, yeah, my name is Mike Earnshaw. I'm currently an elementary school principal. It's year seven for me. Before that, I taught middle school. So, I don't know, 13, 14 years. It was sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Uh, I loved it. Uh, never wanted to get into administration. You know, it was one of those things where after I got married, I was like, all right, I need to go back to school to make some more money, move myself up on the ladder. My principal and assistant principal at the time were kind of like, you've got leadership qualities in you. I'm like, yeah, no, no, I don't. I just want to kind of do my thing, you know, do some extra stipend positions and enjoy the summers when I can. They're like, no, go, go into administration. It's going to open more doors. And it was probably the, one of my first classes in the program where I was like, you know, the cliche saying, oh, you're going to reach more kids by, you know, be becoming an administrator, but it's true. So then I became an assistant principal for a middle school. It's actually the middle school that uh, in the town I grew up next to my wife went to it. I was AP there for two years. And then an opportunity came up in in the same district at elementary school. And I never had any desire to ever be involved in elementary, but, you know, through my, my hat, my name in the hat and got it. And I've been there for seven years now and I love it. What about you, Joshua? So uh, I am uh, currently a classroom teacher, but I serve as president of my local teachers union. So this is, uh, I served for uh, two years as vice president. This is my fourth year as fourth and final year. I'm turned termed out after this year as president. Uh, and then I also serve on the board of directors for my for the state teachers association. So I, my a lot of my leadership capacity ends up being in sort of national work. Mm-hmm. Um, I've chaired a statewide ballot initiative, uh, sort of that sort of leadership work. And then currently I'm on master's number two because you just can't get enough when you're an educator, <laughs> right? So uh, the first time I should have gotten my master's in administration, but like Mike, I was like, eh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that, right? But no one said, Josh, go go get it in uh, in administration. So I have mine in collegial <laughs> leadership, the most useless uh, master's degree you can get. It got me the pay, but no opportunity beyond uh, that. So I am and now in the midst of my second master's and will most likely be looking for an administrative position for next school year. Gentlemen, I want to talk about a topic that actually I've never hit on this podcast, which is amazing. I've been doing this for over two years and you know, we've never actually touched on teacher evaluations. And Michael and, and I started talking about this through Voxer and you know it's such an important topic because 
Joshua, as a teacher, you see this on one side, and then Michael, of course, you're on the other side of the evaluation. But as a new administrator, I remember being so nervous going into a classroom and thinking, I actually have to give feedback to someone that was my <laughs> right. peer last year. What? Who yeah. am I to, to do that? And so, um, Michael, I just want to start with you. You know, when you started the evaluation process, what was kind of going through your head and what were some things, some trials that you had um, as you were providing feedback to teachers? So, yeah, when, when I started with as an AP, some of the staff, it wasn't the school that I had originally worked at, but some of the staff I knew from just being like a cross country and track coach. I knew a handful of those teachers that there were also coaches when our districts would compete. Actually, since it was the, t- the school, the new district I was an AP at was the one next door to where I lived. Um, I knew some just from working in the restaurant business growing up. So I had some of these already relationships with them, which was one of the hardest parts Like you just said, you know, how do you give feedback to somebody like you kind of knew like outside of the workplace or like for you that you knew on the same level the year before. And I think another thing, a lot of the staff that I was in charge of were veteran teachers. I mean, doing this for 20, 30 years and now here's me coming in, you know, in my early thirties, trying to tell them how to become a better teacher. It was very intimidating. So I've kind of learned that I focus a lot on the positive things, what they were doing well. And, you know, cause everyone wants to hear what they're doing well, you know, you got to give positives and it made it somewhat easier. But for my first couple of years, I really struggled. There were, there were points where I knew, all right, this person needs to get better at this or, you know, have better student engagement or whatever the thing was. And sometimes I kind of held back, which, you know, doesn't help anyone then. It doesn't help the kids at all because I'm not being honest with them. So it wasn't until, you know, I became a principal where I kind of was like, all right, I need to just get get out of that comfort zone and know it kind of goes back to my philosophy how relationships are everything. Like if I already have that relationship with that teacher, they're not going to get offended or know that I'm out to get them. You know, it's all to make them better and help the kids. So by no means am I an expert. I don't think anyone ever will be because a lot of it's so subjective. I mean, I have the things and I'm honest with my staff, like, here's what I want to see when I come into your room. You know, I want to see engagement, kids collaborating, you know, you more as a facilitator guiding the instruction where they're the ones kind of taking in their own hands. And I want to see you taking risks. Like I want to see you doing things that might not go well or might be some a new approach trying to reach them. And I'm not going to mark you down on your evaluation if I see you doing those things. If it doesn't go well, like it's showing me that you're comfortable getting out of your comfort zone. And again, like the only way that the only way the staff's going to want to do that or know that I am honest about it is if I have those relationships and I model for them getting out of my own comfort zone and, and doing new things and trying new things. So I feel, you know, my building where I'm at, like I said, is my seventh year there with them. We have a very low turnover rate. They know that. I mean, a lot of them will pick lessons for like their formal observations. They'll pick their lesson where they're doing something knowing like that. I'm going to give them honest feedback. Like, well, maybe how you can, can improve this. I mean, I always say too to other administrators, if I have to come into your room to write up your evaluation, there's something wrong. You know, like honestly, every staff member, like I could sit down tonight and write up their, their evaluations for the whole year just because I'm in the rooms already so much and talking with them enough. I know what they're doing and what's going on. So that's kind of how I look at it. And Josh, I'm so excited to have kind of two perspectives because, you know, Michael's the administrator and you're the teacher. And so, you know, being on the teaching side, 
What is it that you're looking to gain from an administrator coming into your classroom? And is it just a check on the box, like, let's get it done? Or what's the best <laughs> way to help you as a veteran teacher? I think I think it depends on on the year, you know, if that if that makes sense. I, I think like a year like this year, I think COVID and teaching in a way that I've never had to teach before. Like we're teaching, I'm teaching both remote students and in-person students at the same time. Wow. So I have kids in my WebEx at the same time that I'm teaching, you know, students in person. Mm-hmm. So it's just different. So this year. I don't know that I'm looking for like, hey, Josh, here's where you could really improve this year because this is such a weird year. Like, what are you telling me this year that I'm really going to be able to maybe apply in the following years? Like, this year is just so different. I I think, you know, being a veteran teacher, it really depends on who my, how my evaluator approaches it, right? Like, at this point in my career, I know that there are things that I can improve on, but I also know that there's things that like, at this point, what can you tell me, administrator, that is that is going to knock my socks off and be like, oh, I've never even, th-. like, unless we're having a real conversation, I think that's where the best evaluation comes is when you can have a real good dialogue. But if it's an evaluator said, I scored you here, I scored you here, I scored you here, and I just look at it, and maybe there's a written suggestion, that's not going to go very far. Mm-hmm. But if we can have like a good conversation about what that looks like, and they can ask me a question, okay, well, I saw you do this. Why do you do that? And we can have we can have a conversation about. It. I think that's way more valuable than than the checkbox, but that requires time. You know, I'm on a high school campus with 3,500 kids and almost 200 staff members. So, like our APs don't have a giant amount of time to spend with us to go to go over these evaluations. So, you know, I, I think like in order for it to be valuable, it has to be like a really good dialogue about it. And if it's not, then it's not a very useful tool. It just ends up being a checkbox. And then I think the other part of it is I'm probably a little jaded because of my role, right? Like as as like the teachers union president, like I sit in a bunch of evaluation meetings, right? So when a teacher is on the, in their like 45 day improvement window, when they've been given a plan and they've been marked as ineffective, like I'm in those meetings. So when I'm in a meeting like that, I go, well, I don't ever have to worry about anything. Right. <laughs> like, like I've seen that other side of it where I, where I've seen like the extreme evaluation and I go, well, I'm not worried. You can come into my classroom whenever you want. And I'm golden, you know? <laughs> you know? So I, at this point in my career and after seeing so many things like that, I'm not really worried at all about an evaluation. No, that completely makes sense. And I think you both bring yeah. up a very good topic, which is time. And so Michael, what is kind of like the optimal amount of time that you need to really feel like you have a grasp on what the teacher has to offer to their students? That's a good question. And it's actually a question we had at our last administrator meeting. You know, our superintendent brought that up. I, I guess I look at it two different ways. When I look back when I was an assistant principal and I wasn't in classrooms as much as I am now, honestly, I think within 15, 20 minutes, if I sat down and I don't normally visit your room, I think I could have an idea like, okay, you know, I've seen enough within 20 minutes now, our contract or the teacher's contract, I, I, for formal, we have to stay for, I think it's like, I don't know, 30 or 45 minutes. So I always do because I don't, I don't like to just come say, okay, I've seen enough, I'm out. But I think it's more so, and I, I hate the fact that a formal evaluation, I mean, I know we can say they're not built on, you know, the one class period you come in. You know, it's supposed to be, oh, it's all the informals built into it. No, it's not. The administrator, because so many administrators, and I was guilty of it too, you, you do your one or two informals that you have to do to say you've done them. And then you come in for your formal evaluation, or if you're non-tenured in our, in our state, you get two, three, if there's a 
concern. Right. But that whole formal is based on that one day. And I think, and I never thought that that's fair. You know, we, we say the same with the, the state testing for kids. Well, it's not fair to assess them on one day if they did well. I mean, we all have bad days. We all have, you know, and if you're asking teachers to, like me to get outside of the box, get out of your comfort zone, do new things, it should be all these things. So, I mean, I, for me, I feel like that's why I'm in the room so much to just daily know what's going on. And see 99% of the time, like my informals, I don't even do the formal evaluate type up. I leave a post-it note on their desk and I don't think it takes long, you know, to know a good teacher. I mean, if you're, are you reaching kids? Are you engaged them? I mean, are you letting them take ownership of their learning? I mean, if you're going to start looking at like the test scores and are, is their instruction really effective? I mean, you know, they're putting the kids first and they're, they're reaching out to them. I mean, all that other stuff's going to fall into place. I mean, at least that's what I believe, you know, I've been in observations where I can tell the teacher set this up this is the activity they thought I'd want to see. The dog and pony show, man. And you could tell the kids are uncomfortable with it. And it's just kind of like, all right. And I've told them, I've said, I go, look, I know that you don't do this every day. One, because I'm in your room how many times a week. Two, it didn't flow. Like if you did this type of activity every day where you've got, you know, these stations, it would have flown much smoother. The kids would just kind of know because they've done things like this before. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. Josh, I want to talk to you on the other side, of course, of things that you've had happen in observation that you wish an administrator would have done different. So I, th- I think like we have a pretty formalized process where I'm at, like Mike talked about, you know, you have two informals and then if you're not, you know, we don't have tenure in, in Arizona, but we have continuing status and non-continuing status. Sure. So you either get two or one, two or one evaluations, but our evaluation is Danielson. We use the Danielson rubric. So it's like very, it's very sort of like, this is the specific thing. If I see kids doing this, it's effective. If I see them doing this, it's highly effective. Sure. So like, I, I, I think for me, I've had an evaluator. So we're supposed to do a pre-conference, the evaluation and a post-conference. I've had my pre-conference where I've had an evaluator. I've seen them in the hallway and I've said, hey, when are we going to do my pre-conference? And they're like, well, what are you teaching that week? And I said, well, the day that would probably be best for you to see is, is this one. And they go like, okay, cool. We just did our pre-conference, right? Like that, that's been my pre-conference. Right. And part of me, like as someone who goes, well, I really don't want to do the extra work of the meeting and missing my prep hour and all that stuff. I go like, awesome, Right. But the other part of me goes like, but maybe if we talked about it, it would benefit me, right? If we could have that conversation. And I think, you know, what what Mike had said about being in there enough times, there's that delicate balance, right? Like if you notice that something's going wrong in a classroom, I think that if you're going to evaluate a teacher poorly, like you can't just be in there once, right? right. You have, like, you have to be like, and I saw it on this day. And then I saw it again on this day. And I saw it again on that day. Like my wife is a a high school principal. She's a building principal uh, for a high school in our district. And, you know, she goes like, whenever I know that I'm collecting evidence to mark a teacher developing or ineffective, I make sure I have a ton of information. So that way it's clear for that teacher. It's not like I came in your room once and I saw a kid run to the line to go use the bathroom, right? Like, well, yeah, they had to pee. So of course they ran to the line. They're, you know, like a fourth grade student gets up and has to go. But if that was just one time, can you really mark me as my classroom management is developing when you, when you 
you only saw that once. So I, we always talk about like that preponderance of evidence. And so I, I think what I'd really, I think one of the things that from the administrator standpoint is if you are going to like come down on a teacher for, for whatever this issue is, you got to have seen it more than one time, unless it was like something truly egregious. Right. But then, I, don't, I mean, that's a discipline issue at that point, right? Like if right. you see a teacher do, do something terrible while you're in there, don't save that for the evaluation, right? Like exactly. deal with it right there. Like, oh, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about it in November when we <laughs> when we sit down for your evaluation. But like in my other role, one of the things that, that hasn't happened to me, but I see happen a lot is teachers get their evaluation and they have no idea why they got marked any of those things. Sure. There wasn't a conversation. There wasn't a discussion. It was like, well, I marked you developing for this. Okay. But, but why? Well, in the rubric, you know, here's what the rubric says. I'm like, but that teacher has no idea what you needed to see that you didn't see or what you saw. And sometimes they, like I said, sometimes they wait a long time. They know that there's something bad going on in that classroom. They see really poor classroom management or a lack of learning in that classroom. And they wait until November to tell that teacher that they suck. When in reality, you missed two or three months of coaching that you could have done. So by the time November rolls around, they're beyond that. You can work with them on something else. You know, I think that's my, I think that's my biggest thing is sometimes we wait until the evaluation to tell a teacher that, that they need to improve. And we've let them struggle for three months. When they tell them they're bad, they're like, but I don't understand. You've been in my room. Why didn't you say anything? You know, I think that's the thing that I struggle with sometimes for teachers. I'll just, I want to add in there. It's so true because being an administrator, that's the view I have. I do, you know, the formal, informal information and feedback. And especially my, my assistant principal and I, we talk all the time. Not so much like, hey, this teacher is doing this. We need to get rid of them in March. No, it's, hey, I saw this. Have you seen this? Because she's in the rooms just as much as I am. And we have those conversations behind closed doors like, okay, not, hey, we're going to let this keep going on so we can get rid of them and get someone. We discuss how can we help them out? Coach up, not coach out. You know? Because there's so many times I've never in nine years of administration have ever been like, I need to get this person out. Now, I'm not saying like I've let I've had to let people go and I've had to tell people your contract's not being renewed, you know, but that's been after we've tried to give you the advice and say, hey, look, you know, so so Josh, I agree with you because I got a lot of teachers that tell me, oh, no, this is what I'm teaching that day. You know, you know me, just they'll tell me this is the (laughs) pre-conference. And I'm always kind of like, well, all right, I can go do the other 472 things now. But it's when the teachers who take the time to sit down. And I always just listen, you know, I, oh, what are you, what are you going to be teaching? You know, and I, I always ask them, what do you want me to look for? Like, yeah, that's hey, beneficial what, for sure. Yeah. What have you been working on, you know, yourself? What goals have you set for yourself this year that you want me to see? And a lot of times it's some of the informal feedback I've already given them nine times out of 10. Like, I'm like, well, good. Cause that's kind of what I was hoping you would say. And that's what we all want to look for too. And then, then the post-conference, same thing. I've had those teachers are like, oh, what did I get? Okay. I'll, let me sign it. You know, when we do talk about it, it's, we can have those conversations of all of these things, you know, are leading up to it. And it's not just the one, the one time I came in and saw it. So, and I'll, I'll say on the flip side of that, sometimes with my post-conference, look, if I'm, if I'm effective, cool beans, we don't need to, like, <laughs> I, we don't need to talk about it. I'm, I'm fine. Unless you saw something that you really want to, you know, right. that you want to bring to my attention. If I got Mark developing on something, I'd be like, whoa, wait, 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 what? <laughs> like, you know, then we need, then we need to talk about it. Cause in, right. in, in my district, essentially like effective and highly effective carry the same weight. 
you know, we have pay for performance in, in Arizona. So we have, you know, a certain pot of money that gets used for your performance and our evaluation is part of that. Well, we worked it so that there's no monetary difference between effective and highly effective because, you know, we say this Danielson idea that highly effective is a place you visit, not a place you live. If I was highly effective today, I'm probably not going to be highly effective tomorrow. Like I'm going to let something go. I'm not going to use the same questioning technique that I know is the best one just because things get in the way. Right. So I, I think it's impossible for us to like I think that's one of the things like the conversation with teachers when you're an evaluator, I think one of the things that I would appreciate is if our evaluators and I'm on a campus with six different evaluators, right? Mm -hmm. The conversation about like, here's what we think is important. Here's how we want to treat this discussion. Here's what this looks like. Here's what we really think is important to see. I think if we could have those conversations up front, it would be useful. And that doesn't always happen. Because we get into the groove of the school year and all of a sudden like, oh, crap, I'm your evaluator. I'll be in in two weeks. It's April and I haven't done it yet. So I'm going to jump right. in real quick. I had, you know what? I had one. I had one of those. I taught middle school one year. I came in and taught middle school one year at this campus and the athletic director at the, it was the AP, but he was also the athletic director for the junior high. Right. Mm-hmm. And he called me coach all the time because I coached soccer and, and track. He could, like, didn't remember my name, but it was always coach. And he literally did my evaluation the last week of school on review day. On review wow. day, he comes in and he goes, he goes, coach, I know you're fine. I'm not worried about it. And I was like, <laughs> okay, this is like, this isn't going to help me as long as we're both clear that this is a sham and it doesn't matter. <laughs> but like, I mean, that was before race to the top when we all had to flip over to a, a four tier evaluation system right. Right? Sure. Uh, when it was just check boxes yep. back in the day. Yeah, I've had one of them. Um, it was a very similar, I, I don't think that late in the year, but I definitely had one where it wasn't even, a oh, full, it was, like it was so it was late. Like 15 yeah. minutes, you're good and out the yep. door. Yeah. Wow. So let's talk about, because Michael, you had said something that I truly agree with. You you said that things don't always go well in the classroom. That's okay. However, I remember as a teacher, when an administrator would come in, even if it was just for five minutes, I remember just like pouring from my head, like, don't screw this up. And even though I was in the classroom for, for years, that still occurred. And I know when an administrator walks in, I can see a teacher's body language change. Even though I have a relationship with them, I'm not in there for a gotcha moment, but it still changes, right? right? So how do we get rid of that? Like, how do we change the dynamics so that when we walk into a classroom, they truly understand that we are there as a support and not as someone who is an evaluator? Yeah, because I mean... I'll still have teachers tell me not so much when it's like, I just, when I just pop in there, but when I do a formal, they'll still tell me like, Oh, I was so nervous and you were in there. And I know, I don't ever know why, you know, I'd say, you know, we can say as much, Oh, don't be nervous, you know, but I think it comes down to, we've got to be in there more than the two or three times we've got to, we've got to be in there for the good and the bad. I think one of the main things is when those bad things happen, we need to point it out. And like, that's what I've learned that I have to do. Like, Hey, Josh, you know, you kind of lost control of the classroom for about three minutes there. And, you know, it took you a while to reel them back in. Let's talk about that. And not in a, it can't be in like a demeaning kind of like, Hey, you messed up here. Don't let it happen again type of tone, but it's got to be in a conversation. Was this a one-time thing? Is this a pattern? Like what are ways that we can brainstorm together? You know, they've got to see us as a teammate with them, someone who's going to help them out. And I, in those situations, what I feel has worked for me is telling the teachers like, Hey, 
let's plan another day. I'm going to come in. It's not even an informal. I'm not going to come in and do anything tied to your evaluation. Let's just focus on this. And I'll give you some more feedback to see if things that, that we've discussed together, whether it's, you know, calling kids names by popsicle sticks or whatever we decide, whatever strategies we put in place, let's give it a couple of weeks. You continue with it. And I usually make the promise, like, look, I won't, I won't just pop in during this time period. So you're more comfortable. And then let's pick a date and I'll come in and, and we'll see. I've never once then tied that to a, an evaluation if I've told them. Now, I've had teachers who all of a sudden it's flipped and it, all of a sudden whatever it was is under control now. And they've said, hey, can you put this in my evaluation? Well, yeah, definitely. Okay, now I will. Because I've got my, my notes I put on you know a piece of paper. But just trying to show them through situations that we're there to work with them. And then the same thing too, though, when we mess up, an administrator's got to be honest. Like I admit mistakes all the time. Like if I did something wrong, you know, I'll apologize to them or I'll say, look, I, I did this. How can, how can you help me fix it? I mean, I think that that goes a very long way too with the teaching staff to let them know we're all human. We all make mistakes. We all have areas to grow. You know, I tell, I share with my staff every year, here's my three goals that I've set for my evaluation this year. Do they really need to know what my professional goal is? Not really, but by me sharing with them, like, here's what I picked. Like last year I picked, I wanted to get better having discussions regarding data with my staff, because if anyone's ever listened to me speak before, I mean, I have, I was an English teacher. I'm not into data and math and all that. So I have a hard time understanding it and a hard time looking at it, knowing what we're going to do with it. So I picked that as one of my professional goals last year. And I told my staff and they're kind of like, why would you pick something that, you know, and I said, because I want to get better at it. And if I don't put it out there and I just pick something like, oh, I'm going to do engaging faculty meetings. Well, yeah, I know I can be highly effective at that. I mean, I'm writing a whole book on it. I mean, but I wanted my evaluators to really give me some key points of what I can get better at. So just being honest with them and asking for help and working together, taking down those lines of I'm an administrator, you're a teacher. No, we're, we're educators for the kids here. And all I'm trying to do is make you a better educator. How can we do that together? Just to piggyback on that, Mike, I, I think that that part about allowing that grace to be like, look, today was bad. You and I both saw it was bad. When can I come back in and and take another look at it? Right. Let's let's sit let's sit down and, and talk about what I saw and what are some things that we could maybe do differently. Let's do a redo. Like let's a mulligan it. Right. Because in in reality, yeah. you're right. Like we all have crappy days, and there are so many outside factors to why that lesson could not have gone well. Especially, I think at the elementary level, because you're coming in 45 minutes, and these teachers have kids all day long. Right. right? That really is a blip. As a high school teacher, if you come in and watch me for 45 minutes, that's basically what I'm doing five times that day, right? right? There's nothing earlier in the day with that student that's affected my classroom because I didn't see them until you saw them walk in my classroom, right? So I, I really think at that elementary level when that's really like you've spent a whole day with this kid and if something happened in math centers that really threw off the rest of the day and you're coming in during ELA time. You do damage control the rest of the day. Right. With, with the, re the rest of the kid, the whole classes. I mean, right. And I, and I say that all the time. Like I've been in some formal evaluations that have, they have been horrendous. You know, it's one of those things like it was just bad. And I usually wait to see what the teacher says, but a lot, if they say, that was really bad. I was like, do you want to do another one? I'm like, I'll delete. Like, I, I will delete this one 
And none of this will even, we'll just, like Josh said, we're going to do it all completely over. Well, we do that we're with all... the students, right? We do retesting all the time. Right. Exactly. And I think that's key, Josh. I think that idea of like, we we don't treat our students any differently. Like we give our students opportunity and grace to show growth and to show getting better at what they're doing. Why wouldn't administrators, right. you know, use that same mindset mm-hmm. with the people that they lead, right? If, right? if you look at it from that viewpoint. Well, let's talk about a project you guys are both involved in, which is the Punk Rock Classroom podcast. What is a Punk Rock Classroom? That's a really good question. I, you know, Mike and I grew up in that punk rock scene and really saw punk rock shape us as people and then shape the way that we view classrooms. So Mike and I really focus on three big ideas, right? Passion, unity, and DIY. And you could package those concepts in a million different ways. And, and for us, like the way we view school is through this lens of the punk rock scene, right? So, so Mike, what do you consider like a punk rock classroom? What would you, if you had to boil it down, which I know is hard for you, the English teacher to boil something <laughs> down, but I'll, I'll try. You know, Josh and I talked a lot about when we would go to these shows, you know, they'd be, they'd be held in bowling alleys or basements or just an abandoned parking lot. And, you know, it's, it's very like kind of bare bones. Like there's not a bunch of big production. There's no fancy light show. It's just, you know, some kids and their instruments and they just, these these songs they wrote playing their heart out the whole audience you know 99 percent of the time there's no seats it's standing room it's just like this organic flow where everyone involved is part of the show you know the audience the the band puts their passion out there and with the energy they play and then they, that gets the crowd moving and then the, the more the crowd's moving the band gets even more pumped up and it's just you know i guess this organic feeling and that, that's how classrooms should be it's not i'm up here you're over there listening to me give you instructions. I mean, it's got to be everyone involved. And that's that's kind of how I look at a classroom, like a punk rock classroom. Like the teacher, yes, is on the stage. They're the one bringing the show. And, you know, they've got to bring what they're passionate about. They got to bring their energy. But the kids are going to feed off that. And they're going to, that's your audience getting moving. And how many times at a punk rock show or a hardcore show does the singer just drop the mic into the crowd or they're holding it out there and the, and the the whole crowd singing and they're not even, that's what a classroom should be. The, the kids should be the voices in that room, not the teacher. Right. You know, and then the DIY aspect, you know, like so there's nothing fancy about it. A lot of time educators think they need the new program that's out there. They need all these new fancy, all this new flexible seating came out, you know, it's a hundred dollars. You don't need all of those things to be an effective educator. I mean, you don't need to spend all this money. You've got everything there. You've got your your neighbor down the hallway might have something, an idea or whatever that you're looking for. So I don't think we have to have, it's not keeping up with the Joneses. Like just because this, this school district has this means they're better than us. Right. That DIY aspect all, always comes down to like, you know, as, as, as a kid who grew up in punk rock bands, like when we built stuff together, when we put on the show, when we recorded our tape, when we spent the night folding all of the liner notes up to put in the, in the cassette tape, like we owned that. Right. Right. And so that's, that's what your classroom should be like too. Your kids should own what's going on in there. They should help build it. They should help create it. And that's from like a teacher standpoint, but from an administrator standpoint, from a leadership standpoint, right? Like your staff should help you build it. Your community should help you build it. Right. You're not like, you don't have to be the, the lone wolf up in your office, like in a silo going, and this is exactly what this one is going to look like. Right. This is how we're going to do this. Like getting all those voices involved. So, so for us, that, that idea of, of like 
creating a scene and uniting, you know, a staff or your students together to create some, an exceptional learning environment is really what Punk Rock Classrooms is all about. And, and Mike and I met on a Twitter chat. We've never met in person, right? We live across right. the country. Like I live in Arizona. He lives in, in uh, you know, Indiana and in the Chicagoland area. And we connected online and, and sort of decided like, wow, we, we connected on this idea of punk rock and how it shaped education. And we want to bring that to everybody. Well, Mike, you brought this up earlier, but you're actually working on another project with a company that I just signed on with, Edumash. Yep. So what What are you cooking up? Yeah, so uh, I'm writing a book. Well, it's written, so the final manuscript's been submitted. As, as Dave Schmidt would say, oh, the fun's about to begin now because I'm just waiting for uh, – Waiting for the, you know, it's with Edge Match, waiting for first read through to happen, and then I'll get some feedback, and then, you know, we'll go to the editing stages. I'm hoping, you know, it should come out about uh, the springtime, which is a great time to do some summer readings and book studies. Yeah, it's tentative, tentatively titled The Educulture Cookbook, and it's just like activities and stuff that I've done with our staff to help build a positive, collaborative culture. You know, there, there's things I've done at staff meetings and, and everything that I've done as an administrator, it's not like, so this book's not written for administrators to bring their staff. It's written for any educator because when I do a staff meeting or any of these things that I've written chapters on, it's things that I wanted my teachers to be able to take back to their kids, you know? So for example, you know, one of the you know, activities we did was like a speed dating activity. And my goal was for the teachers then to be like, my kids would love doing something like this. So it's things, you know, that you can bring back and it's just help help build your your school or classroom culture. So my brother, Josh, got a, he's got a little piece in there for it. So yeah, it's exciting though. But yeah, so you, you've recently signed too with Edumatch. I have. I'm not quite at the process you are. I'm still finishing uh, chapters of that book, which is Aspired to Lead, but I'm excited. I, I can't wait to finish that up by the end of this year and, and hopefully have it out in 2021. And hopefully all three of us then could be together at Teach Better 2021. Heck yeah. As as we were supposed to be we this year. To. but Yeah, yeah. You know? I'm a little I'm like, darn you, coronavirus. <laughs> uh, I mean, look, it's Ohio and, you know, whatever. But, you know, just the hanging out with everybody. Good time. Oh, it's a great time. Teach Better Conference is amazing. And I had a seat right next to me. You know, it was going to be the Punk Rock Classroom Podcast next to Aspire Podcast. That's, I know. That was the setup. I know. So I'm, I'm bummed. I'm so happy I got to collaborate with you, at least on this episode. And for those who are listening, how can they connect with you on social media? Yeah, you can you can find Punk Rock Classrooms on both Twitter and Instagram with the same handle. We lucked out. So it's at Punk Classrooms. You can find us on the web as well, punkrockclassrooms.com. So you take out the rock for social media, but on the website, it's Punk Rock Classrooms. Uh, we've got blogs there. We've got all of our podcast episodes up. You can check show notes. Uh, we've got, you know, um, links to our, our lovely merch store, our little merch table. Nice. And then you can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Josh R. Buckley. And I have Twitter and Instagram at EduChefEarnshaw. Michael, yeah. Joshua, it is always a pleasure to talk with you. And I love having those conversations on Boxer and, and through social media. You guys bring so much value to the educational space with your podcast and on Twitter. I just thank you so much for talking through such an important topic. Thanks, yeah, thanks, thanks for, for having us, us, sir. We appreciate it. We appreciate it was a great it. conversation.